You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I am with, as always, Dan Volpone and Emily Anderson. Emily, Emily, you get the first question. Give me one word to describe the game we just watched between the Sixers and the Knicks. Um, long. Long. That's generous. Uh, there were a lot of words I thought you might use, but uh, I, yeah, I should have thought of a better one. But that's I thought that was came good. To my that head. was fitting. That's I. I think it is fitting. Uh, so it's a very special episode. We're joined by Jim Adair and Max Rappaport. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Max, you're on the West Coast, so it's a bit earlier for you. Did the game feel less long for you because it's a bit earlier? No, I'm really hungry, so I haven't eaten dinner yet. So it felt a lot longer than Holy. it probably felt for all of you. I hear you. Jim, and uh, how was your experience watching this game? Exhausted. It's just <laughs> truly exhausting. I couldn't believe that it was 64 to 64 at the start of the fourth quarter. And then there was 40 more points in each team somehow. It was so long. I hated every second of it. It was really, and I really thought that somehow we were going to get to double overtime when the Sixers were up one. I thought they were going to foul Randall or something. If, if it went to double overtime, I was going to wake my dog up just to walk it around the block, <laughs> just to get out of there. <laughs> away from this. A stress walk. <laughs> yeah, I get that. For me, not for the dog. That's true. Dan, how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm good. I'm tired. I have an exam tomorrow, but I'm fine. Well, you're doing the right thing, staying up to talk to us. I appreciate That's it. That's right. <laughs> um, so you guys, of course, Sixers fans know you guys uh, from the Step Over podcast. You were in this very feed uh, for a long time, uh, and you made it what it is today. Uh, so what is it like to be uh, – Max, how, how into the Sixers are you now, now that you're not on the East Coast? Like – do you keep up with them as much or half as much as you used to? Yeah. So here's what I'd say. It's like, it, it's tough because the games start at four o'clock if they're playing at home or on the East coast. So like during the week, it it's tough. Like I, I'd say I watch almost every game, either like the recap of it, like the full like 10 minute where you're seeing every bucket recap or mm-hmm. at least the second half. So I'd say like a third of the games I'm having to watch the recap a third I'm catching in the second half when i'm done with work and the rest i'm watching if i'm free uh but it's definitely different not being around other people who care at all and living in seattle where there isn't a team and people don't watch the nba uh basically out of protest there's like nobody here to talk to about it other than like the couple sixers fans i've found are there any like 
Philadelphia transplant bars in Seattle? Is that a thing there? So there's an Eagles bar um, out here, but nowhere. And there's a there's one that like has league pass where you, you can ask to put the Sixers game on. But that's about it. There's like no Sixers bar that I found. Yeah. Uh, Jim, how would you say your Sixers consumption has changed since you worked for Liberty Ballers and, you know, ever since? Uh, to be completely honest, I enjoy it more now. Oh, uh, sure. It's taken any oh, yeah. kind of yeah, out of it. Uh, it's <laughs> uh-huh. great. I can't recommend it enough. You all should quit on the spot. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's honestly the best thing that could happen to you. Um, no, it's uh, it's it does kind of take your eye to watch the game in a different way where at least for me this is just my my i'm not saying this like for people who who used to do sports things and don't do it anymore is that basically before writing about the team and sports in general i watched as any other fan would and then you watch a certain way when you're writing about it because you're like okay either what's the angle of this game to write about or in a game like tonight you look at it like what can i say about this like what what can I at least grab onto that will right. make me hate writing at least 300 words about this nonsense? <laughs> um, and then after that, you kind of get a little bit of both, right? Where sometimes you want to look deeper into things for fun, uh, like pull up some basketball for stuff or dig into some stats or whatever. And sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and watch the game and not really think about any kind of deep roster construction bullshit or whatever. Uh, and that's great. It's fantastic. Uh, and as an added bonus, again, cannot recommend getting out of this industry enough. Uh, <laughs> industry. Uh, as an added bonus, uh, people don't just like come to me to talk about the Sixers anymore when I'm really tired about it because I've been writing all this stuff. So it's great. Again, yeah. can't recommend it enough. Would you read the comments uh, on articles that you would write? Uh, Liberty Ballers, for the most part, is people just like having a conversation with each other a lot of the time. Um, and like making some like decent points and like just like just talking to each other and that's not most websites so i would say in general never but like a site like liberty ballers where it's almost like more of a community than just like a group of commenters uh it's definitely more enjoyable down there but i can i can vouch for that because when i was at fansided that's when i learned to stop reading the comments because like people will hate whatever you say from two different perspectives they hate like (laughs) You know, fake trades, someone, half the people think you were giving up way too much and half think that this would never happen. It's not enough. And no one thinks you're right. And then here, like, people kind of, like, you know, talk about it. And it's it's not as bad. I still try not to read them, but, like, it's definitely not what it is elsewhere. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, the game tonight, I don't know if we have a ton to say about it. It was a bit of a shit show. Harris was really bad and Simmons was bad offensively. Emily, do you have any other takeaways from the game? Some hilarious Danny Green shots. Anything that that you take away from tonight, Emily? Um, I was just happy to see that Shake's shots were falling again like they were last night. Um, He's been really cold for a while, so it's been nice to see him getting some more buckets um but that's really it i enjoy a dwight really long too every once in a while a dwight jumper those are he is he is like really trying him way more than than i think he should you should try one a game not two just one for (laughs) fun if you're up by 10 10, you may try one that's it uh max max and i play nba 2k online with each other sometimes um and we have like a group of four or five guys we usually run with and i had uh 
an interior finishing center that is like a 30 overall at shooting threes. And I made them like, I would like, I'm like, just let me shoot a three, please. Uh, Cause I made like a three quarter court heave once. And the rule we struck was that I can take one three if we're up by 20. And I think huh. that's a good rule for Dwight. Yeah. Someone should tweet it at Doc Rivers and see if he'll implement it. But like Andrew Bynum, Jim would break that rule constantly. Uh, that's not necessarily true because I took two in one game because we were down 40. So that's two 20s. Therefore, I'm allowed to. Um, Dan, you were sort of half watching. Uh, what do you think? Did you have anything else from this game tonight? Yeah, I was like maybe a third watching, a third studying, and a third watching a college game. Um, it was really painful. Um, ben for the second straight game was just kind of meh offensively um, still better than he was start of the year. And he's still been like, his habits have been better. You know, he's still been more aggressive. Um, so it's just, it's, even when he struggles, it's much more enjoyable to watch than how he struggled early on. Um, and I think that that's just kind of something that could have been expected. Like he wasn't, he's never been, I think even if he's improved, he, he wasn't going to be like playing at his hottest all the time. So um, I think we're kind of seeing him come back down a little bit. And um, I think they can survive it, though. I mean, everyone else is playing really well. Tobias was like, I mean, st- struggled again. But um, we're sorry. Not, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Can, can we cut this? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I was I was just like scrolling the wrong box score. I need to go to sleep. No, you're doing great, pal. Don't worry about it. Oh, no. Um, Tobias, I was going to say Tobias struggled. And I'm looking at the box score from Tuesday when he had 30 against the Knicks. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> hang on. He did not play this well. <laughs> anyway, um, someone else talk. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Uh, we can sort of go reverse chronologically the, the game before this one. We played this the Kings. Great. We played the Kings. Dan, take it away, pal. Well, we just killed the Kings without Ben or Embiid. Um, Shake had 28. Tobias had 29. So... It was great to see to see Shake kind of, you know, reassert himself scoring wise. Uh, well, you, what do you think? What did you uh, What did you think about that one, Jim? I thought for as long as you can hear me, I thought that uh, it was a good game. I was happy to see them play well. Um, uh, Max, have you been to any Sixers games on the West Coast? Uh, so every year I go to the Portland game. Uh, uh, obviously not this year. And then I usually go down for one of the LA games. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was actually in LA. I guess we flew back like March 2nd. So I was there like right when COVID hit last year, uh, <laughs> when the first cases were, or the first death happened in Washington, right in the Seattle area. Uh, we were about to fly back from LA to uh, to Seattle where we'd gone to, to see the Clippers game, uh, Clippers Sixers game. So I try to make it out to like a couple a year. And then if I come back to Philly, try to line it up with a game or two. You were at the, uh, the Korkmaz game winner in Portland, right? I was at the Korkmaz game winner. Oh. And we were talking oh. so much shit about Fork on Korkmaz on our way down to the game. Uh, and that was like, that was really the moment. Like he hit that shot and then it, it really turned around and he like earned a spot in the rotation and is kind of okay. I love he's just thinking playing. about his career trajectory sometimes. It makes me smile. He's been he's been playing like really well lately. I know he struggled to start of the year, but he's at least like first half defensively stood out to me. Yeah, I texted yeah. I texted Steve and Emily about it, but like he was really active. He got a few steals like that 
I was like, because I had it on the small monitor and I was like, oh, nice play like Ben. Like, you know, it's the kind of pay, play Ben usually makes. And it was Furkan. And I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? He had a steal tonight too, actually, I think. He had attempted eight threes tonight. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah. Um, talking about Furkan will bring us actually into the Milwaukee game. Uh, Emily would love to hear about the Milwaukee game. Obviously, your star is rising in Philadelphia. You're sort of a celebrity. You were on television during the Milwaukee game. Uh, tell me about the firsthand experience of that game. Obviously, the Sixers took a tough loss, but Furkan hit a giant shot to tie the game up. Uh, what was your experience like at the game? Um, the game was really fun. So I was sitting like seven rows back on the baseline because I was like, I can never get these seats any other time, but during COVID. So I'm going to get these seats right now. Um, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, Dwight likes to talk to the fans, which I learned. He gets really excited when people yell to him, he waves to them. That's very fun. Um, Furkan hit a, hit a big three. I, celebrated and was on ESPN. So yeah. That's pretty great. My yeah, glasses they... flew off my face. If you see me showing my glasses to Jordy, it's because they fell off my face. I picked them up because I jumped up and I was like, look, they fell off. Um, Dan, I know that you have some thoughts on the Bucks Sixers game. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, you can just take it away here. I just have, I just have like a little mini rant on the Bucks, the reaction to the Bucks Sixers game. Cause I thought that, I thought that that game was, was like fine. Like, I mean, we, without Embiid took a very good team in the East who we might have to play to overtime. I felt like, you know, I feel like everyone can appreciate this as annoying as the Bucks fans are. Um, But we lost the game and sometimes you lose and it's okay. But what kind of drives me nuts is the reaction anytime someone Ben is either guards or was supposed to guard has a good game because and listen, Ben is, I, Ben's my defensive player of the year. Ben is a great defender, but sometimes guys just get hot. It's not necessarily his fault. And, you know, Giannis had, had uh, 32 and, you know, the Bucks fans are talking shit because that's what happens when you win a big game, even if it's without indeed. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to call the Bucks frauds, but what is annoying is the, it happened against Devin Booker where there were fake stats being shared about his, how he did when Ben was guarding him, when he actually played really well when Ben guarded him, which again, just happens. Um, and the stat was being shared that Gian, was that Giannis was, I think two for eight when Ben guarded him for eight points. Um, the reason that Ben only guarded him for eight of his shots is because he fouled Giannis so many times that he had to come off the floor and then a worse sixer had a defender had to try to guard him. So, that's not an accomplishment and we shouldn't be bragging that he was only able to cover Giannis for eight shots. It happens again. I still think Ben's defensive player of the year, but I think we should be able to take an L sometimes and say, Hey, Giannis kind of got the better of him. He sent him to the bench. He took our best defender off the floor. That's a, that's a good thing. That's a, that was a win for Giannis. And again, it's fine. We still almost won the game. I will say, I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I, I think you're obviously right that Ben fouled Giannis a little too much and Giannis's stats were, of course, excellent in the end, no matter what. I just think it was the best game that I've seen where Ben defended Giannis sort of credibly ever. And I don't I think he's ever that, really yeah. stood a chance. And I just think that's pretty big from a Sixers perspective, if you look at the playoffs in that if you can survive for a few minutes without having to put Joel on him the whole game, which I think you really want to do. Uh, Jim, what do you think about that? And what do you think about the Milwaukee game and Ben's defense on Giannis? 
I mean, I think you're right in that it just really, I mean, that's, that's the thing that kind of is frustrating when people talk about defensive players of the year, when a, you know, people just want to look at block numbers or steal numbers or whatever. And then when you say it's deeper than that, people go like, Oh, well, you know, he dropped X amount of points on somebody's team. It's like, okay, but he's also Giannis. Like, right. It's, you know, it's not like some scrub did it. And then if you look at points in that game, when it was coming down to the wire and yes, they did lose the game, but there was one play specifically where Giannis drove into the lane and Ben just stonewalled him. And then Giannis passed out, came back, reset and tried it again. And Ben stonewalled him again. And that's one play where that's two shots that he could have gone up with and didn't get. And that's winning or losing a game in the playoffs. So small plays like that, whether they're sexy enough to be defensive player of the year or not, that those things are huge. And there's only three or four people in the NBA who can do that to Giannis. And I'm glad one of them is on this team. Yeah. And actually Max, yeah. two of them are. Two of them, yeah. Max, what did you think? Yeah, I, I had the same thought that it's like, I don't know. I don't, I, I didn't come away from that game, that loss feeling like, oh shit, the, the Bucks are a team I'm afraid of, right? It's like, all right, if you have Embiid and you have Ben Simmons, who's at least capable of making Giannis work, you're going to win that series if it's a best of seven. Like th- that's how I, I felt about it. And I feel like the specifically that matchup, right. The, the Simmons Giannis matchup, it's like Jim was just saying it, but who else in the league would you rather match up against Giannis in a, in a, yeah. in a best of seven series like that. And then you have Embiid also to, to shave off and, uh, and help out and potentially defend him one-on-one. Uh, if, if he's going in the post, like I, I think it's it's a pretty good match. I feel like the the Bucks are actually a pretty good matchup for the Sixers, and they also shut down uh, Middleton pretty much the whole game. I think Thibel was on him a lot, and and pretty much shut him down. Like I feel pretty good about uh, about that matchup. Actually, Drew Holiday was like the one guy who I don't think we have an answer for right now, and that's maybe kind of leads us into trade deadline stuff, but that's like the, that's my bigger concern than, than Giannis or Middleton or anything else. Yeah. I mean, even if only the Sixers can just single cover Giannis, I feel like that's a giant thing because so many mm-hmm. teams have to double him and the bucks have shooters that can really make you pay. So uh, I don't, I really don't think that Embiid on Giannis every single game in a playoff series is, is the way you want to, approach it if you can avoid it so uh having another option on the team i think is just a big thing to discover but dan i also agree that a lot of narrative shifting where it's like he locked him up which isn't exactly as as clear as as it was if you actually watched the game um yeah i mean max you mentioned the trade deadline i wanted to uh offer this to to all of you guys and see where you're at uh sort of in this way you have three options the sixers can trade uh Danny Green uh and then either two first round picks or a first round pick and a young guy that you care about let's say Thibel or Maxi for Kyle Lowry or the Sixers can trade uh not like just like Mike Scott and the other sort of salary guys and a second round pick for Fournier Evan Fournier in Orlando or the Sixers trade basically nothing you care about and a second round pick for George Hill it comes down to like what you think this team really needs and mm-hmm. and what level of player you think they need I, i'd like to know which of those you would choose emily um i know that you'd like to keep all the sixers and add other guys what do you think yeah i would like to keep all the sixers and add kyle lowry evan fournier and george hill is what <laughs> i would like to do 
Um, but no, realistically, I think my answer is like Evan Fournier. I'm not ready to get rid of like one of those young guys that we like, especially at this point, not, not Matisse. I would rather give up Maxi than Matisse. Um, and I also just, I, it could be because I'm like a shameless Homer, but I really, after seeing them play the Bucks, how the bench is playing now, I know it's not consistent, but if it needs healthy, I, I don't think we need that, like that Kyle Lowry big of a piece to give up all that other stuff, but that could just be like my Homerism and overly optimistic outlook on things. I'll put that caveat on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, quickly, I will just say the Sixers have been really good since Embiid got hurt. And that's like never happened before since that 16 game run at the end of the 2018 season. So I've been incredibly encouraged uh, about that. A part of me does just think about Brooklyn in the playoffs and think like, okay, what do we actually need when it really, really matters? Jim, what would you go with of those three options? Um, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. And it's at this point, it's probably a Lowry deal. Um, I think this team has been so weird with having essentially three front offices over the course of four years and doing two big swing trades, one of which uh, is no longer here in Jimmy Butler and one of which is here in Tobias. Um, and the Tobias trade was a big win, uh, I think. I mean, we can, you know, you can argue – uh about his contract all you want if you want to be boring but uh it was a big win of a trade and i think that like you said with brooklyn and milwaukee uh the time is probably now to make a, a big move where you're no longer in the position of waiting it out right so for the longest time there were the point of the NBA is like, all right, well, why really, really gun for it? The You're never going to beat the Warriors, right? Mm -hmm. or, or you're never going to beat LeBron. One of those two things. Mm -hmm. uh, Warriors not doing shit this year because of a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm not afraid of the Lakers, and LeBron is also currently out. Uh, and now you have the thing in front of you with maybe Brooklyn, right? So I think you got to get to the point where instead of saying – this is our year if we can sneak by Brooklyn where you make the move where Brooklyn's looking at you going, Oh shit, we got to get by them. And that's probably the only move that I can think of right now that gets you there is probably Kyle. Lowry. And Max, Danny's, what about you? Danny's oh, expiring. Kyle's expiring, but like home, you can probably pay him and stay around. I don't, I'm not worried about him leaving. So yeah, I'd, I'd say Lowry. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. I feel like it's a combination of, um, because the Nets are kind of in flux. And like I said, I'm not as worried about Milwaukee right now. I feel like this is the year they got to do it, right? Like, I don't know if Embiid is going to be at this level ever again. Like, it's it's possible this is the height of Embiid's career, right? And I'm not saying that he's going to fall off quickly or anything, but, like, I don't know how much better he can get than this. And he's 27 now. And, you know, obviously, like, injuries are racking up, and he's just a player that you never know with injuries. Like, if they think that he's going to come back in two or three weeks and be fine and they can, you know, get him to the playoffs healthy, I think you have to just go all in. And I don't know if Lowry's the guy they need. I think obviously like if we're talking about doing that, Lowry is the player that's going to make sense. I kind of wish there was like a Drew Holiday out there, like someone that just fits a little bit better. Like I don't think what Lowry does is exactly what they need. Um, 
but I think he's the only player of that caliber who fits, who is available. And I think a lot of things line up, you know, the fact that he's expiring, that you can match it with the, with the contracts you have with, with Danny green, that you can potentially keep him around because he has a connection to the city. Like, I think all of that to me makes it a, an obvious, uh, an obvious win. If you get, if, like Jim said, if you can be the team to beat, and they're really close to that. And they're, they're arguably that right now, with the exception of, you know, the Nets, if they're completely healthy. Um, but even then, it's a team that really hasn't played together. And um, as good as the Sixers have looked, I think if you could add one more piece, they could be at that. Like they, this, I guess I, I, I worry that the window could close more quickly than we're thinking it could. And on top of Embiid, like Tobias Harris is having a crazy year. And I don't know if that's, what we should just expect from Tobias Harris from now on. Like it's very possible that he goes back to being last year's Tobias Harris next year or something in between. And between that and Embiid getting older and potentially you never know what's happening with his health. Like, and, and the fact that he's having such a crazy year, I think everything's just aligning that you just go all in. Dan, what about you, buddy? Yeah, I, I would agree. It's Lowry for, I mean, I agree with everything that, that Jim and Max said. Um, one thing going off of uh, what Jim said about, you know, trying to be the team that, that Brooklyn's worried about. Um, I think another thing to think about is like, can we definitely, can we at least, even if, even if, you know, I, I'm really high on Brooklyn. I think that maybe if Brooklyn's healthy, even if we get Lowry, I'm not sure we beat them. I, I, I'm not sure I would even pick us to win the series, but the Warriors didn't win all three years with Durant because injuries happen and it sucks and you don't root for it, but you want to be the team that's able to take advantage of when that happens. You want to be the, the team that is next up, the team that wins. And the Raptors did that. The Raptors <coughs> traded for Kawhi. They didn't say, you know, they had a window closing and they, they didn't say, Oh, Kawhi has all these risks and, you know, we're never going to beat the Warriors. Why bother? So I think that, you know, because of everything Max is saying, whereas, you know, are you ever going to see this Tobias again? Maybe, maybe not. You know, can Embiid even be better than this? Um, well, everything, I mean, the, like everyone said it all year, but the vibes are great. Like as, as things stick around, as you take some losses, they don't always, you know, it's not always like this honeymoon period that they seem to be going through. So um, everything kind of seems to be coming together. And I'm not saying this means they beat the Nets, but you want to take your best shot and at the very least be definitely the second best team in the conference. Um, like, I agree with you guys. It's not like I'm like terrified of the Bucs, but I also recognize that the Bucs are very good. The Bucs are probably really mad about how the playoffs went last year and are much more saving themselves for the playoffs this year. Um, so I do think that there's another move that needs to be made. Um, I wrote before for the site about how, like just the trickle down effects of a Lowry trade. Whereas, you know, now Tobias isn't just like, Ben has not played well without Embiid or at least Ben lineups have not been successful without Embiid, I should say. Um, but Ben and B together have been great. So if in the playoffs, they can play most of their minutes together and you're not just leaving Tobias out there for the rest of them. And you're limiting the time that Ben's playing with, you know, Matisse and Dwight. And you have, you know, a lot of Lowry Harris with the bench guys lineups. And, you know, both of them can take on a bigger scoring role when their two best players aren't on the floor. Um, I think that, I just think it's the move. I think it, it fixes a lot of, the not they don't really have major issues but like the minor things that are annoying here and there um and I agree it's it's not like perfect I mean for me I was you know 
I would have loved Chris Paul when he was available and he, uh, she preferred Houston. I think that he was, you know, kind of the perfect get there. And then after that, I, I was in on Harden. So I, 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 you know, he's not necessarily at that level of move. He's a worse player than those two, but um, I still think it's, it is the pickup to make. And I think that in, in, unless you're Daryl and you're looking at this year, like we just can't win, which I don't see how you can look at it this way after how they started. I mean, I was not a big believer in this team coming in, but I mean, you can't argue with what they've done. So I think that it's, it's you know, they've earned the chance to go get that guy for him. And that, I, I would get Lowry if I could. Um, sorry, uh, one more thing. I think that it. it would, I think it'd be Maxi, because I think that, I think that Doc is not loving Maxi and is loving mm-hmm. Matisse. And to, to be fair, yeah. Matisse is, is playing great. I think it'd be Maxi. And, and it would be really hard to trade Danny and Matisse yeah. For a smaller guard. Uh, right. I would, if that's how you had to get it done, I think I would, but that, I think that that would just be tough. I want to update the Lowry situation a little bit. Uh, today, the Raptors lost their eighth straight game. I think a couple weeks ago, I said on the podcast, I need Toronto to lose eight straight. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, <laughs> as for something else next. Uh, also, a Raptors reporter named Michael Grange, who we first, I think, talked about because he said Lowry's not going anywhere. He went on a podcast yesterday and said he thinks there's a chance Lowry could go to Philly. Uh, and then today, Mark Stein said that uh, I must add here that the prospect of Toronto trading Kyle Lowry uh, still looms as a possibility as the deadline nears. Uh, Lowry made it clear he hopes to retire as a Raptor someday, but sources say interest in the free agent to be persists, and that includes the Sixers and Miami and others. Um, I think that there are a couple things that would be difficult. One is that it's a sort of a weird condensed year where they'd have to figure out how to play with sort of a new lead ball handler on the fly, which is not, not ideal, but I don't think you're going to get ideal. Um, and the other thing is I think that Danny Green adds a lot to what they do. And uh, Lowry shoots a bunch of threes anyway, uh, and he's a good defender, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But I don't think Danny Green is just salary to match. I think that he's very useful on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, I would do it because I, I would just have confidence that you could keep him around for a couple more years. And he's somebody who would age gracefully. And something about watching the Bucks game the other night, and I know they were without Embiid and at the end of the game without Curry, but the Simmons stuff at the end of that game sort of scares me. Uh, thinking about like a playoff environment and him being the lead ball handler, you know, tonight the Sixers went to Harris over and over and over again, and he couldn't handle the double teams. And I just think you need sort of more diversity of your options at the end of the game. Um, So yeah, I would hope that that happens. Um, Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, 
and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let me ask you guys, if it is a marginal move, uh, somebody in the sort of George Hill or Nemanja Bielitsa or one of these sort of buyout or, uh, you know, JJ Raddick, although I wouldn't, you know, I could do without another podcast in town. Um, what do you guys think are the Sixers contenders? If there's a move of that to that degree, I mean, they're 30 and 13, they've been great this year. Uh, and B should be back soon and we'll talk about him soon. But, uh, what do you think, Max? Like, would you put the Sixers in that same conversation with Brooklyn if there wasn't much of a revamping to the roster? I, yeah, I, th- I think I wouldn't put them in the conversation conversation with Brooklyn. I would say that they're closer. They, they are more in the conversation as contenders than they've been since I've watched the Sixers, since right. 2001, right? Like, yeah. even more than the Jimmy Butler, Tobias team, right? Like, I think just looking at the rest of the league, um, the fact that it is kind of a wonky year, right, that you have um, – like with the Nets, right, it's it's this team that's had to come together really quickly and Durant's been out and it's a condensed schedule and all this stuff, right? And there's also the possibility of COVID like just looming, um, right? Like I think this is a year that I feel like the Sixers are in the conversation and it's not like, oh, if, if everything goes right, they could, they could win a championship. It's like, no, I feel like they could, if, you know, once you get to the playoffs, if everyone's healthy, they're one of the three or four teams that I'm thinking are are um, are front runners for it. They're probably the third or fourth team in that, right? If they don't make a move, but I think they're there. Um, I do think a Lowry trade really does put them into that. Like, I would say at that point, I do think they are the favorites in the East um, to get to the finals. So for me, that's why I think it's worth it. But I I don't think they're out of it if they don't do anything major. Emily, I take it, you know, by not wanting to do the Lowry thing, you, you're you probably comfortable with where they're at. Is that right? I mean, yeah, but I also, it's not that I don't want to do the Lowry thing. I'm just uh-huh. overly attached to everybody. No, I hear like, you. It's not, I do think Lowry would make the team better. I just have a personal, con- a personal connection. We're all close, very personal friends. <laughs> I just like these guys and I like to watch them play and I, I like, you know, Danny Green is like the leader of the vibe locker room, the post game party. Like, is Kyle Lowry going oh, yeah. to the post game party? Like, these are things that are important to me and like are probably not are not as important about as like what happens on court, but they're important to me. Um, so I will put, like I said, I'll put that caveat out there. Um, but yeah, I think they're contenders. Like Max said, they're more contenders now than they were the Jimmy Butler year. And we were one shot away from making the finals. So, like, not the finals, the Eastern Conference finals. Um, so, like, I think, you know, a couple bounces go our way and who knows what happens. Like, crazy shit happens all the time. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Dan, what about you? I mean, you still see them on a tier below Brooklyn, I would imagine, if this is basically, effectively, the roster that goes into the playoffs. And is Brooklyn's biggest fan, I'm pretty sure. Well, I just think Brooklyn is great. Um, yeah. Love James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wish James Harden was a Sixer. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Sixers are contenders at this point. They have to be. I mean, it like things happen and you don't have to be, you know, on paper, the best team um, 
you don't even have to necessarily be it's not like the best team is always winning seven game series even if it's not a major injury things happen even if you could get outscored in the series and, and win a few close games like there, there's no reason to think that that there's just you know no way they win and coming in I would have said that you know I really don't I see way too many teams in the east as better than them but it's been a weird year and all the a lot of the teams I thought would be like very very good in the east are just not like the Celtics suck. I thought the Celtics would be fine. I know they lost Hayward. I thought they'd still be fine. I didn't think the Heat would take this big of a step back. Didn't think the Raptors would take this big of a step back. I thought the Bucks would be better than they've been. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Nets are right with them, and the Nets have, you know, been playing without Durant for a while. They, Irving's missed a lot of games. I think the Nets are better, but that doesn't mean the Sixers aren't contenders. I mean, besides Nets, Lakers, there's no team I would say is like definitely better than the Sixers. I think yeah. they're on the same tier as quite a few others. I think, I mean, I, without getting into who's better than who, guys, I think it's really close. But, you know, they're right around the Clippers. They're right around the Jazz. They're around the Bucks. They're probably around the Suns, although I don't see the Suns getting out of the West, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and I, I still think that the Heat could could be a pain in the ass in the playoffs, but I would still take the Sixers in that series. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how they're not. They're, they – I think you you have to call them contenders at this point. Jim, would you agree? Yeah, I think they're contenders as is. Um, but I think looking in the past, I mean, when this season started, I would have said that the team can only go as far as Duell can take them. And he's obviously, you know, by and far their, and large their best player. But as that goes on and you see playing a little bit like, okay, now they can only go as far as, as Joel and Ben can take them. And now maybe you can throw Tobias in that as well. And then if you can throw like a Kyle Lowry in there too, then you have the situation where if Embiid is doing incredible and carrying you, fantastic, but he doesn't need to. And I think that's the key to actually winning with this team, uh, especially in a long-term basis where past this year as well, where if you have a situation like we've had, where you don't have to look back and say, yeah, okay, you got swept or, or, you know, you lost in six in that series, but, you know, but Ben was out the whole time. Okay, well, if Ben's out, now you have Kyle Lowry in there to help carry that. And, oh, if Joel was out that series, okay, well, now you have someone that has Kyle Lowry's caliber and everyone else is playing at a higher level as well. So I think, unfortunately, and I think most teams probably should do this and they would if they could, but you have to plan for this team to be a contender without its best player, just in case. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to be as good without... Joel, obviously, but they're one move from being only losing like one tier jump with Joel being out. And then with that move, them jumping up a tier or two as well. Uh, so yes, they are a contender right now, but there there's stuff that can be done even in the margins, even like a George Hill type deal, even a Bielitsa type thing where you just, you know, you have someone who can shoot a stretch, a stretch big that can come off the bench um, that bumps you up a little bit. And like, those are guys who can do things in the playoffs, I believe, that can get you, you know, a, a, a quarter swing here and there, and that's enough to win a series. So, yeah, I um, I would assume that the Lowry thing is probably going to come down to him, like if he wants to go or if he wants to stay. I think that that's pretty much the way it'll shake out. And if he wants to go, I think it's Philadelphia against Miami. I would imagine he's okay with going to Miami and. Uh, I would oh, think him that, on the heat would be hard. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, no, it would be awful. About. 
Um, I would think that the Sixers can beat that offer. You know, if he wants to go to both of them, I, I, I sort of like what the Sixers could offer more than them, but we'll see. Uh, the Joel stuff really changes the calculus this year. Like the way that he played um, as, a, as a legitimate MVP candidate. And we can now talk about LeBron is out now for a couple of weeks. Um, what do you guys think? How does the MVP race get affected by LeBron's absence? And he should, if it's two weeks, it's probably about seven or eight games or so. Um, what do you think? Does that crack the window open for Joel a little bit more? There's a new report from Shams that, not only does Joel look good and is he feeling good, but he wants to come back before the two weeks, which I don't know if it's your first time following the Sixers, but that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's um, never worked. No, it's never worked. Um, Dan, what do you think about the LeBron absence? I would assume that Jokic sort of slots into first in the race now. What, what do you think? Does this give a bit of a ray of light for Joel? Yeah, I mean, I think it does because um, I, mean, I would have had Jokic first anyway, but um, LeBron, at least just narrative wise, is, was going to be around there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's had a great season. I just don't think he's done what, what Jokic did, but I, like, I wouldn't have been shocked if he won just because of how bad the media seems to want to give it to him this year. Um, mm-hmm. And he really wants it this year. Um, so that has, you know, he has a lot of influence just in that way. But he's, um, what the, the big argument for him over Joel has always been games played. And so if that ends up not being all that different, if Joel can back quick, come, can come back quick and, you know, and LeBron is out at least this week, then, um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're putting your, I think that pretty firmly pushed Joel second at that point. Um, Jokic winning over Joel would really pain me, especially with the year Joel's having, but um, yeah, he, he's been great. But then again, you're putting yourself in a, in a, in a position um, where like maybe the Nuggets struggle. Um, the Nuggets lost tonight. They went to overtime with the Bulls the night before. They've won a lot of close games this year. Um, but, oh, I'm, wait, yeah, the Nuggets lost tonight, right? I thought they lost tonight. Let's find The out. Nuggets Thank lost. You. They lost to the Pelicans by five. Huge. Love it. Again, I'm on the wrong day. I'm, I'm <laughs> just, I'll throw myself off checking the scores. Um, yeah, I knew they lost. And, yeah. um, and they're 25 and 17. That's good enough for him to get it. But they're also – you know, they're six in the West. So I don't know if like is going to, he'll have to not miss games at this point. You know, if, if he has to miss a week here or there, then again, I think you look at, you go back to Joel, especially if he is able to convince them to let him come back early. Yeah. Um, Emily, what about you? Do you think that this, you know, opens the door for Joel? Um, I definitely do. Once again, shameless Homer. Um, I have not cashed out my Joel MVP bets. I am Love letting it. them ride. Um, I just think that the Nuggets, it definitely opens the LeBron situation and opens the door for Joel. But I just think the Nuggets need to win more games for Jokic to be like a top contender. I just don't think a six seed in the in the West is gonna they're gonna be like that's the guy that's the bet that's the most valuable player. He got his team to the six seed in the West. Like that's just not narratively gonna do it. Um, I honestly don't watch a ton of nuggets games i know that Jokic is great but i just don't think that that they're going to give it to him on that basis um in terms of joel coming back early i don't want them to baby him and have him come back late because i think they've done that in the past and i've said this on here before that i think he's at the point it's that game where he you know 
looked like he hyperextended his knee again and came back in the game. And we yeah. were like, why are they doing that? And I'm like, I think he's at the point where he's in good enough shape that if there's no structural damage and he feels fine, he should come back in. Obviously there was damage this time. So like, don't baby him and keep him out like three weeks when he's fine in two, but don't bring him back in one and a half if he needs to like actually give him what he needs don't give him more. Don't give him less. Like actually do the right thing, I guess is what I'm saying, which seems to be difficult for the Sixers medical staff sometimes, but that would be my advice. Yeah. I think it's a delicate thing. I think that, you know, as fans or, or, you know, even in an honest moment, the Sixers might just want to like put him in bubble wrap until the playoffs we will finish where we finish and then he'll be healthy there. But on the other hand, he's like a giant star and an adult and he gets a say in his own, play as well and especially when he's having the season that he's having that like in my mind now if LeBron's games played thing isn't going to be such a wide gap and Joel can come back and kick ass as he was earlier in the year it would really be a, a, a real opportunity for him to grab this thing um, but of course the team is going to care about his health and uh, you know the championship and all of that kind of stuff more so I do think it's a it's a delicate balance Jim what do you think about the MVP race and uh, if Joel were to come back healthy uh, on that timetable? I think that if Joel comes back and he's fine and he's playing at the level he was playing going in and LeBron doesn't miss a long period of time, it's going to be LeBron's because it's narrative driven. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think because it's narrative driven, if it comes down to Embiid Jokic, it'll probably be Joe's award, I think. Uh -huh. um, because... You, you could very easily argue that Jokic deserves it more statistically, but a lot of people voting on that don't give a shit about stats. They care about narrative and moments. And when Joel drove out and took a step back three to, to tie a game up, that's, that's MVP stuff. It's not, Oh, he's averaging 22 and 14. Like no one gives a shit about that. Honestly. Look at his box plus minus. Yeah. No one gives <laughs> a shit about that. And no one should give a shit about that. Honestly. Well, like I think, you, you I can, think it, it's good to point out like my guy's better than your guy. Cause look at his box plus minus, but like box plus minus doesn't win MVP trophies. So yeah, I, I think that it's probably the bronze to lose barring anything crazy, but uh, if it comes down to Embiid Jokic and they're both playing at the level that they're currently playing at, I think it's. Yeah, yeah the other, I agree with that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I was just saying, I agree with that. And I think the one time we saw it go, super stats heavy was the the year that russell westbrook won it and i think that's aged so poorly yeah right that that you look back at that and you're like holy fuck like we gave it to, to sorry i don't know if i'm supposed to not curse on this no no, no you're, you're good good. Uh, you're good. <laughs> good um that they gave it to russell westbrook that year because he averaged the triple the 30 point triple double it's like you know the the nuggets are 25 and 16 right now Sixers are 29 29 and 13 uh with Embiid, though, they are, I have it in front of me, 24 and 7. Um, you know, I think that assuming Embiid comes back, say, like, two weeks from now, a week and a half from now, whatever, um, and the Sixers finish first in the East or finish close to or at least with a significantly better record than the Nuggets, which I think they will, um, I think it's close enough that I, I do think it goes to Embiid. Like, I think that it's the, out, it's the exception to the rule that you go with the guy who's putting up uh, slightly better numbers because they look nice that it's, you know, eight and a half assists instead of 3.8 assists or whatever Embiid's putting up um, on similar numbers otherwise with all the things that Embiid does and how 
just better the Sixers are this year, especially with them beat on the floor. Um, I think, though, I agree with Jim that if LeBron comes back quickly, I, I do worry about – I would be much more worried about LeBron taking it from Embiid than Jokic, assuming Embiid comes back and plays, you know, misses, like, whatever it is, 14 games, 15 games this season. Um, yeah, the other thing about LeBron's case and the Lakers is that now they're going to have a stretch of games without LeBron and without AD – and they're in a bit of a precarious position in the West because the top half of those playoff teams are all bunched together. Um, I don't, I wouldn't worry at all about their sort of playoff fate, but in terms of LeBron's fate for the award, uh, if they slide down the standings a little bit, that will weaken his case, you know, ever so slightly. Uh, and we'll they're see. They're not how that long... far up on the playing games. Is that true? What, what, what is it? Well, they're right now they're five and a half up, but they're down 10 to Phoenix right now. They're five and a half up on the Spurs. So if they don't win, that would go to four. Um, and that, that's to drop to the seven. I don't think it'll happen, but it's fun to think about. I also didn't think they'd miss the playoffs two years ago. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, what we should get to is our predictions. Uh, I think we should predict the games for the week and we can also predict uh, which Sixers will no longer be on the team and who will be joining the Sixers. Emily, do you want to update the standings in terms of guys, every week we predict the, uh, the games, whether the Sixers will win or lose. Uh, and, and you're going to join in that today against your will. Go ahead, Emily. So this has been my worst, my worst week in a while. I went two and two. Um, <laughs> Steve also went two and two. Dan, you went three and one, but I am still up. I have 30 wins, 17 losses. Dan, you're 27 and 20. Steve, you're 24 and 23. Still over 500. So kudos to you. Um, so, um, yeah. All right, cool. So this week, the Sixers are on the road. They're out west. Uh, they play at Golden State, at the Lakers, and at the Clippers. Um, there are no back-to-backs, um, so it's just those. The Lakers game is on Thursday, which is the same day as the trade deadline. Uh, Max, let's start with you. They're at Golden State, at the Lakers, at the Clippers. Who knows if they'll be shorthanded at some point, making a trade, or if they'll – who knows? What do you predict for this three-game week, and, uh, and who do you think is still a sixer after Thursday? Hmm. So trade deadline is Thursday before, right before the Lakers game, right? Thursday at three o'clock Eastern and then 10 o'clock Eastern is the Lakers game. So I'm going to go win, loss, win, simply because I could see them making a trade either Wednesday or Thursday, not having Danny Green, not having Maxi, which is less important, and also not having Lowry or you know, whoever, whoever they trade, they trade for. I, got, yeah. I, I, I could, and I could see a situation where the trade's a little bit bigger and like Mike Scott's part of it. Like I could see them being shorthanded. All, they're already shorthanded, but especially shorthanded. Um, and I think they're likely to make a trade. Uh, and the Lakers are, even without LeBron and, and AD, somewhat decent. Um, yeah. uh in terms of what Sixers I don't think will be here, I, I do think Danny Green, um, I'm going to lock that in. And then I think Maxi makes more sense than Bible. Um, it does pay me because I think Maxi's actually been pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I really like Thibault also. I mean, I, I both would pay me a lot. Um, 
but I just think if you're, especially if you're trading Danny Green, you have to keep Thibel. Um, and I think you do that trade also knowing that, okay, we've gotten Danny Green to a point, or I'm sorry, we've gotten Thibel to a point where we feel like he can step in for a lot of those Danny Green minutes and give us a similar thing. And his three-point shooting's been improved. And um, I think the fits, the fits there, especially if you're getting a guard back. Yeah. In, in Jim, Lowry. Jim, what would you say for this week? Uh, I think they're due for at least one bullshit loss, mm. uh, if not two. Uh, so I'm going to say they're going to, it's going to be loss, win, loss. They're going to win that Laker game. Uh, it's going to be hideous. <laughs> I'm going to stay up for all three of them and hate myself for doing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Warriors game is going to be an- annoying, I think. They've had a lot, they, you know, they've played what? Like one, two, three, four, five, like 10 games in 14 days or some shit like that. It's too much. And now going to the West Coast, just one day until th- that Warriors game is a complete wash. They're going to lose that game. Uh, <laughs> they'll get it together. Even if there is a trade, I think they'll beat the Lakers because who knows that the Lakers don't do something small too. And they're without uh, LeBron and AD. And Max said without those two guys, they're still decent. And I don't believe that's true. <laughs> uh, and then they'll lose to the Clippers because if they do have any changes, it'll be a first game with a new team. And the Clippers are very good. Uh, so that's what's happening there. I would say I wouldn't put a lock that Danny Green is gone. Uh, I think Vincent Poirier is probably gone. Oh, uh, wow! I hope Terrence Ferguson's gone. Oh, let's what get a him out. Point. Get him um, out. I will say that I think Maxie's gone. And that's as far as I'll go to like confidently. I'll, I, I will say that I, I will confidently say that maybe I think Maxi is gone. <laughs> that's what I'll do. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Yeah, I'm a little torn here. I definitely think they beat the Lakers. Um, I think I, like, I hate everyone else on that team besides LeBron Davis. Like, I just think, I don't think they're very good. Um, I think they go two and one. So, but I could see it being, I could see it being either Tuesday or Saturday. Um, I'm going to say they lose to the Clippers and beat the Warriors, although I think the Warriors will be like just a really annoying game. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what they decide to do on Steph. Like, are they going to have Matisse chase him a bunch? Uh, I guess they could put Ben on him. I, I kind of have a feeling they don't because – Steph moves so much without the ball that I feel like almost you don't want to put Ben through that at this point. Um, and I'll say, you know, after after two wins, I'll, I'll just say, you know, I'll say there's a loss. The Clippers are really good. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure Matisse can can step up to guard, you know, someone the size of, of Leonard and, and George as effectively as he can. Some of the guards we've seen him play really well against. Um, and I mean, Tobias has been like fine defensively, but I think that he's much more suited to guard a Julius Randall type, who's, you know, not as quick, but a little bit bigger than he is for, to take on like Paul George if Ben's on Leonard. So I, I think that I can see that one being a loss. Um, and also we might be at the point then that like maybe Joel's back and, and obviously that makes the team better, but it, you know, maybe throws something a little bit off guys were used to playing a certain way without Joel. And Cummings very post up heavy. He might be a little rusty, so um, I'll call a loss on that one. Two and one. Oh, and for the deadline, um, yeah, I'll say 
I think there's probably like a bench move made. Um, I don't know who that would be, but I'll say just because I want Ferguson gone, we'll say Ferguson's gone. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I still lean no on a Lowry trade. Um, like, I just like think it, it, pro- it seems like it might not happen. Um, but I'm going to say if for my official predictions that, that I'm going to say it will, because I think it'd be really fun if it did. And again, I'm just basing on this on what I want to happen. And so I'll say, I agree with, with uh, Max and Jim and what, you know, you guys both have said as well on the package. Um, and I think, you know, it probably ends up being like green, maybe Scott and, and Maxie's gone. Emily. I'm going to go back to my tried and true uh, <laughs> strategy of just picking all wins because then my record will at least be as good as the Sixers record, which is better than both of your guys' picking record. So I'm going to say they win all the games. It's just a strategy (laughs) move. Even if they go like two and one, it doesn't matter. I don't have to pick the loss. I'm still two and one. You're running out the clock. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And it's been working for me. Let's remember. Um, In terms of the trade deadline, I'm going to say I think the Lowry trade happens. I agree with the package that you all say. I think it's Maxi over Matisse, especially after Doc called Matisse Inspector Gadget last night. Um, and yeah, so nothing new and exciting there, but I'll say it happens. Um, I'll say three wins. Uh, boy, Doc Rivers is really going to win. want to win that Clippers game. Uh, he's got some extra motivation against Paul George. Uh, I really think that he'll, he'll do whatever he possibly can to beat the Clippers. And I also don't believe in that team. I, I, whenever I watch them, I sort of leave underwhelmed. Um, I wouldn't bet on the Lowry trade happening. I I think that at the end of the day, he'll probably stick around there. Um, Although I wish he would come. And I would say Evan Fournier comes to the Sixers and like Mike Scott, Poirier, Ferguson, uh, they leave with a second round pick. That's what I would say. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jim and Max, thank you guys so much for being here. We love your stuff have for, for a long time now. So thank you so much for being here. It's really cool of you guys to come on. I'll say one last thing. It's very funny to me that this Fournier thing seems possible now because I want to say four years ago, maybe, maybe, yeah, four years ago, probably. I had like a running bit in my head that like the three guys, and I would say this, I don't think I ever tweeted about it. I definitely tweeted about Evan Fournier, but uh and Bobob, which is the other one but like i had this running bit in my head that there were like three guys that i wanted on the sixers and they were all like kind of super underwhelming and it was boban uh evan fournier and uh, i believe who's now out of the league omri caspi uh so caspi's not possible so he can really make it you know technically two for two if fournier comes wow and caspi could coach i would love that yeah it'd be great uh max thank you so much uh, i know that uh, you're on different time than us but i appreciate you making it work yeah, it was easy for me. Nine o'clock here. <laughs> um, next up for us, this uh, this Thursday, we're doing a live show on Locker Room uh, right at 2.30. So we'll roll right through the end of the trade deadline. We'll have a special guest on and uh, we'll see what happens there. And then the following Sunday, we're going to have uh, sort of two, two people on the podcast, Trill Bro Dude, Dan knows his real name. Uh, and we'll also have uh, Keith Pompey, who's been on the podcast before. He'll talk to us about uh, sort of a retrospective of the trade deadline. 
and uh, we'll, we'll do that. So we're, we're going to talk to you on Thursday. Jim and Max, thank you guys so much again for being here. And uh, good talking to you all. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.